Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better, because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Hi, everybody, and thanks for coming in to the podcast tonight. We've got a special guest. We're going to interview one of our friends. This young lady, we've known her a little over a year now. We met her at the invitation of a prepper group that she kind of sort of spearheaded. And we just, we met her, and from the very first moments that we shook her hand, we said, you know, this is one special young lady. She's a very talented, very smart girl. She's got a lot of skills and a lot of interesting experiences. So we're having her on the podcast tonight because we think she's got a unique perspective on a couple of topics. So I want to say welcome to the show, Rhonda Bruner. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, we are glad that you're here, too. You're one of our Alabama friends, and we're just so excited. We have a lot of folks, literally all over the world, that tune in the podcast very faithfully. So we always enjoy having a special guest. One of the reasons we had Rhonda invited to our podcast tonight is because I wanted to have her share with you, the listener, how it was that she became inspired to get into the preparedness lifestyle and to also reach out to those in her community, in her county, and uh, other points, and form a bit of a prepper group. So Rhonda, you just share with us whatever you'd like to. Tell us about how you got interested in preparedness and how that led you to the formation of your prepper group. Well, I am a lifelong farm girl, for starters. My my parents had a beef cattle farm, and they grew sweet potatoes and other things, and it, it's kind of been in my DNA for a long time. Mm-hmm. About 10 years ago, I began hearing the term preparedness, and it got down in my spirit, and I started doing some homework about it. And it was just something that grabbed my attention and made me become aware of instances in my life where I may need to be prepared for things to happen. I am a single woman, so it makes sense for me to be prepared for just about anything that could possibly happen. Very smart. And so your farm experience, in a sense gave you a a perspective and we're finding a lot of our prepper friends have some kind of either they grew up directly on a farm or their close relatives were in some kind of agriculture or farming where preparedness is just a day at the office for a farmer i mean that's just especially with people that have been generational farmers because you have to be your own mechanic you've got to be your own nurse you have to be your own banker you have to you have to handle things on the farm farm, you don't always have the luxury of running to town and buying the next new thing. You have to take care of what you have and, you know, buy good quality. And then you have to work very, very hard all the time. I can imagine, you know, agricultural farming is extremely physical work. So uh, no doubt you were out there picking sweet potatoes along with mother and daddy, I'm guessing. Oh, yes. Planting them, picking them up, cleaning them, drying them, and taking them to market. Yes. Oh, my word. Yes. That's some back-breaking work. So, so you got to thinking about preparedness. And, you know, there are a lot of listeners that are in the very same shoes that you are in, particularly our lady listeners. Many of them are in my age group, which is the over 60 crowd, and some of them are widowed or alone. Others have uh, several that they're in between 
generations. They're taking care of their growing children and also their aging parents. And so they're finding that they have responsibilities to different generations and preparedness has occurred to them that they need to get serious about it and, you know, start making some plans. So you got the idea to reach out and you sort of put yourself out there and, you know, really explore the community to see are there other like-minded, prepper-minded, preparedness-minded individuals out there that may want to meet up. So tell us about how that got started. Well, uh, uh, just over a year ago, a friend of mine and I, that I, a friend that I go to church with, uh, we started talking about, you know, how COVID had affected our our lifestyles. I am a I'm a professional too. I'm an attorney, but I work in the healthcare industry. So there there are plenty of opportunities for me to go home and sit. And of course, when you do what I do, you don't make much money. Mm-hmm. So um, we began to talk about homesteading. My friend wanted to learn how to can, and she wanted to learn how to do some other things. And there were some other things I was interested in. And I told her about this preparedness mindset that I had been operating in even before COVID. So we talked with some folks at our church and of course our church fosters small groups because they believe that life happens in the terms of relationships in small groups. Mm -hmm. So we talked about it and my friend Becca was wondering if there would be enough people interested in joining our group. And I said, well, probably, I mean, with everything that's been going on in the world, Surely there are people out there who think the same way we do and want to learn some things as well. Mm -hmm. So we decided to reach out to some Facebook groups that we belong to and some other areas of social media. And we just put it out there. Hey, we're starting a small group at our church. It's going to meet on Thursday nights at 630. Here's the information about it. Contact us. And for a while, I guess a couple of weeks, we began getting contacts from different people about our small group. And it wasn't people we went to church with. These were people like you who we had never met before Mm -hmm. wanting to know about this particular small group. So we intentionally decided to create a community of people who were like-minded and wanted to get to know each other because You know, preppers are the kind of people we don't tell folks what we have or what we do necessarily simply because of sometimes it's criticism from family or friends or the community. Mm -hmm. And other other times it's because we're just like that. We're not going to tell people what we have because when the apocalypse happens and people start fleeing communities outside of where we live, they're going to start hunting people like us. Mm -hmm. They are. So the idea came to us to to build a small group of people who could get to know one another and just build this beautiful network. And here we are an entire year later continuing this small group. And we were so surprised because people came from all across North Alabama into our region, Mm -hmm. uh, to our meeting, and they have held together. So we went from a small group, you know, small groups are usually 10 people or less, to a large group pretty much overnight. (laughs) Oh, wow. I know. Yes. We've been to several meetings and and we were there along with COVID year. We were a little astonished and gratified to see enough people, you know, 
coming as regularly as they possibly could. And some would come and bring fresh eggs from their chickens from that afternoon, or somebody was bringing fresh herbs from their herb garden. We had herbalists that actually do like natural medicine and other people that shared their skills about how to butcher if you're raising rabbits or livestock. And so we were finding that every little, every individual had their own unique experience. And then some of these were whole families, you know, that were coming and each one of them had like special jobs at home and, and we got to know each other that way. And we began to see that we were developing bonds of trust and a, a very comfortable environment that we could share. Maybe we had unanswered questions. Maybe we'd run into things as preppers that we weren't quite clear about. And we could air those questions with our little trusted group and we would get answers. And so it was like, this really is working, you know. And so it's, it, it has really been a very positive thing. And I, I, I regret that Mark and I have not been able to be as faithful to it because we, during COVID, we had a lot more time. But now that we've back kind of particularly more me than him, I'm really back working full time every week. And so it, it's a little bit more difficult for us to come. But we definitely do want to get back to small groups. So we and, we, you know, we found that you as a leader of that group, you have natural leadership skills. And I'm sure you, that I'm not the first to tell you this because you just you have that sweet leadership spirit that just makes people want to hear you and trust you and develop that bond with you and you're you're, you're just a great hearted person and and uh, we've just enjoyed the hound out of you so uh, we we have a great time we communicate on social media a lot so yeah that you know I had even wondered myself how that small group had actually formulated but I'm glad to hear from you that it has grown and it has thrived and it has continued and it, uh, you know, no end in sight as far as I'm concerned. So I'm hoping that's the way you feel about it, too. Oh, yes. And thank you. Thank you so much for those kind <laughs> words. Our small group has incorporated people across many different cultures and many different skill sets. Um, for instance, we have a medical doctor, we have a nurse, we have a professional communications guy who we have a solar power guy with a business. These are business people. Mm-hmm. We have uh, a natural medicine, uh, homeopathic medicine person in our group. We have retired military. We have lawyers. We have doctors. I mean, we have bankers. We have all kinds of people in our group. And it has been really good to see how those people have bonded together and how they've connected. Because when you think about it, if, if you're going to be a prepper, there's some things you need to have. Mm-hmm. If it's a generator, where can I go and get a generator? If, or maybe I should look into solar power. What about communications? So, for instance, Mark is our ham operator guy. Our, he's He's the expert on that. And now we have communications guy that does encrypted radio oh interesting yeah you don't have to have a license for it that's fascinating it's very fascinating Mm -hmm. so you know the trust factor has has really increased to the point now where people are better able to share thoughts and concerns so you know we're we're doing things so we occasionally have the sheriff who shows up Mm -hmm. because he's he's a constitutional 
uh, he's a constitutional sheriff. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, he's very conservative and he wants people who are like us to be friends with him and his people. We're, we're not that group of people who are going to be the, the redneck militia, but we will band together to help each other should the, the need arise. Yes. So he comes and mm-hmm. does training. We have a police officer in town who comes and does self-defense training. We have some folks who are specialists with butchering meat. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Hey, listen, that's an important, you know, we got to take it for granted on a normal yeah. day-to-day basis. But, you know, if if all the power's out and the grid's down and the supply chains are broken, those are the people that are going to eat and be able to feed others, you know. And that's Absolutely. That's a, right. And, you know, one of the things that I found interesting across the board with everyone is that not only are they preparing to have what they need for themselves and their family, but they've gone so far as to put enough back that if their neighbors actually need something, they're there with it. Right. And I think that the majority of preparedness-minded individuals do have that kind of altruism, I guess you could say. They're, they're, they don't really want it to be the, you know, my four and no more attitude. They right. They do want to be able to reach out and help someone because, you know, Sometimes it doesn't take an emergency for one to realize that they're in need. You know, it could just be a, a it could just be a random Wednesday, you know, and yeah. uh, there could be a little family down the street that just realizes that there's nothing in the cupboard, and their prepper friend, you know, may be aware of it, and they can they can share from their bounty. Uh, and Absolutely. That's. I mean, Absolutely. I'm reminded of the story in the Bible of where Joseph had to prepare for the famine that was coming. So not only did they need to put away food for the Egyptian kingdom, they had to put away food for the known kingdoms of the world at that time. And so that was their whole intent was it's going to get bad. We're all going to need to eat. How are we going to do it? So they, you know, he had a plan. Even in the, the Bible's even into preparedness. I mean, in such a way. That is absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, what if with your group, what have what has been the big surprises that you have gleaned from forming this group, and and what are some of the things you've learned as a result? I think some of the biggest surprises that I have seen because because it's not just a, a small cell of people. This is spread across a vast region of our state that these people have made personal connections they've bonded with each other mm-hmm. you know somebody in on the east side of the state is bonding with somebody on the west side of the state and somebody in the north central part of the state is going to the central part of the state it, it's just been it has been really amazing to me to see that happen you know so for instance we have one family that had to go out of town for an event and there's another person that's in our small group who offered to come and farm sit for them. Wow, that's very, very generous. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, they were able to go and take care of what they needed to take care of. And in the meantime, the eggs were getting collected and the (laughs) animals were being fed and the vegetables were being picked out of the garden. Wow. Um, All because of that. Well, see, you'll you'll probably never even realize on this side of eternity all the different interesting connections that have 
that have already taken place and the meaningfulness of that. That is absolutely exciting to be a part of that. Well, I'm going to take a turn at this point, and I'm going to go into another topic area, and that is I happen to know that you uh, are also now farm girl is still a farm girl, that you actually live (laughs) on a working farm. I do. (laughs) And that you are very serious about your farming. I think that's wonderful. So tell us a little bit about what's a day in the life of Rhonda's farm experience. Well, there's a lot of intentionality about it. (laughs) Well, good. Um, Because I work full time, I have to be very intentional with my time. So making sure that I'm up in an appropriate time before being able to get to work. There are things I have to do, such as making sure the cows are fed and the horses are watered and, you know, important things are taken care of. Mm -hmm. And so it's one of those things where I have to manage my time because I'm still a, a person that I like to go and do things with my friends from time to time. And I go to church and occasionally I go to the movies and occasionally I eat out. But you still so, have a farm. <laughs> that's right. And I still run the farm and you know, get the grass mowed and the fences mended. And so, you know, I get up, I, I do my morning chores and then I go to work. And then when I go home in the evenings, I have chores that I do. Then I go and check and make sure nobody's run through a fence or jumped over a fence or Mm -hmm. kicked somebody or bit somebody. um, (laughs) And in the summertime, the spring and the summertime, it's the gardening aspect added to that. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So So I I pray for longer days. What do you, (laughs) what do you raise in the uh, plant world? In the plant world, I generally do vegetables. I have the variety of beans and peas and onions and beets, radishes, things like that that I enjoy. Uh, Mm -hmm. There are things that I can grow, like I have two green thumbs and two green big toes, like jalapenos. I just have this gift for jalapenos. I I can grow them as tall as I stand. Well, how about that? But there are other things that I don't grow, so, you know, I... I always take care of things that I'm going to eat. And if there's herbs, you know, it has to be something that that I will be able to eat or to consume because everything has to have a purpose. I could go and just plant whatever, but if I'm not going to eat it or if I'm just going to plant it to look at it, then it's not really useful to me. Flowers even have a purpose. Oh, yeah. In business, we should say everything has to pay for its footprint. Yes, that's absolutely true. <laughs> we can't have any waste in that world, in the business world, or in the because the farm is a business, so to speak. So let me ask you this: Have you been affected personally, directly, by the rising costs of keeping um, an agricultural homestead going? What's that been like for you? Oh yes, um, you know, I, because I have beef cattle, I'm real particular about supplements and the kind of feed that I give them. I'm a master cattleman and I have a beef quality assurance certification. So I'm real serious about that because when I, I don't just breed cows and take them to the sale. Mm -hmm. I breed them and then I sell the meat. Mm -hmm. So I've had to pay attention to the market. I've had to do my homework, do lots of research, change the way that I actually manage my cattle. So instead of doing like grain fed products, I do strip grazing. So my my pasture is set up to where I can move my cattle from one paddock to another and they can eat the grass down in one paddock and then move them to another one and seasonally. Mm, And 
it it helps keep down costs that way. But occasionally, you know, when it, when it gets very cold, temperatures can be very harsh on an animal. So I will have to supplement them. So I've had to find products that meet what I need but are at a price that I can afford. And I've seen an increase in feed alone, you know, where I used to pay $8 a bag for a 50-pound bag of feed. I'm probably paying upwards of $12 now. Oh, that's 50% increase. Yeah, it's pretty significant. So, so I have to be very intentional on that too because every dollar counts. And I want my meat to be good. I want it to be of a quality that people are going to enjoy. And when they when they get it, it's better than what they're going to get at the grocery store. Yeah, I'm I'm starting to, my mouth is watering. I'm starting to think about steaks now. You know, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't I didn't show you the sirloin steaks from the last one that I had slaughtered. <laughs> oh gosh, now, yeah. they were enormous. Those were the biggest sirloin steaks I'd ever seen in my life. Because wow. The, Big as a nine-inch dinner plate. Golly, that's amazing. That is, and see, that's the difference between you know your supermarket variety and then you're raising your own. You know, this is a this is a hand, you know, hand done uh-huh. kind of thing. The the quality level is there's no comparison. There's no Truth. comparison. That's kind of, Truth. Oh my, that sounds wonderful. So, what advice? I'm gonna I'm really gonna throw a curveball at you here. What um, if you could think of maybe one area that you could speak specifically to our lady listeners tonight for women who are prepping? I've I've kind of gotten into this mindset myself with some reading that I've been doing. What would you like to share to the women, the adult women preppers that are listening to us? And they're literally in almost every continent, in every kind of region, in every kind of circumstance. What would be good advice to tell the ladies for prepping and a lot of them are just beginning or they've only been at it since covid okay anything come to mind that you can share Uh, a lot of things actually come to mind i think that what people tend to think of as especially a single person getting into prepping and or homesteading is start with where you're at take a look and do a risk assessment of your personal life where you live, what's the weather like, what is the the cultural atmosphere like, and take an inventory, take a personal inventory of, of that risk assessment first, hmm. and then take an inventory of just what you have on hand. You don't have to have a large tract of land. You don't have to have a ton of money to do it. You just need to start with where you're at. Hmm. And start small and keep it simple. We have an older lady who comes to our small group who lives in an apartment. And she said, she said to me when she first signed up, I'm a prepper, but I live in this apartment and I'm not sure how much I can do. So I asked her, I said, do you have a balcony? And she said, well, yeah. I said, have you ever done a container garden? She said, I didn't think about doing that. There you go. So I said, you know, you can do use some containers, you know, with different vegetables and fruits and things that you like and start with that as far as building up fresh things that you're going to eat and then take an assessment of the things that you need and the things that you have to have if something were to happen. Just be mindful that you can start with where you're at, 
the second thing is is to and it's the ugly word <laughs> budget yeah um, it is an ugly learn <laughs> to budget and there are several good resources out there the most popular are ones like dave ramsey he does a really good job of teaching people who've been through it and done dumb things and wound up in a mess how to get straightened back out mm. But you have to be mindful of that because there's a cost to doing this. There's a cost to prepping. I can tell you that about, how long ago has that been? Almost 10 years ago, both of my parents were diagnosed with end-stage cancers. And we had an opportunity, I guess it was, it was the month my mother passed away. It was, she passed away on March 1st, 2014, and it had snowed. And she was at home. She had asked us if we could take care of her at home. She didn't want to go in a nursing home, and we honored that. But the electricity went out. Mm. And the one thing my parents did not have was a generator. Oh, dear. So she, she was on an oxygen condenser, and she had one of those mattresses that relieved pressure points. So it had to have electricity to keep it aired up. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, she didn't have a, have to have a anything special like a feeding tube or an IV drip or anything like that. But the electricity was out. They were all electric, no gas. My dad was sick, so there wasn't any firewood, and he wouldn't let us cut firewood and burn it. So a friend of mine came over with a generator and got it to where my mother was able to be comfortable during that time. Wow. And, of course, she passed away a few days later. But for knowing somebody who was prepared mm-hmm. in, with that particular thing, it could have been a pretty rough time. Oh, my. Wow. So you have, like you were talking about before, there are probably some single parents out there with small children. And they're thinking, you know, I got to make the biggest bang for my buck. Mm-hmm. You know, shop, shop the sale papers. Shop those secondhand stores. Don't ever be afraid to go into a thrift store, even in the era of COVID. Just take it home and wash it. Mm-hmm. Get books. Get get things that interest you. You don't have to have a chicken coop in your backyard. Personally, I don't like to eat chicken. <laughs> so no chickens. <laughs> My grandparents had chicken houses, and mm-hmm. I didn't like having to run from them because that was in the age before the automatic laying machines. Oh, right. Yep. You know, start with something that's simple. Don't be afraid to start with things that, you know, they might not seem meaningful now, but they will turn into something meaningful down the road. And then look at what you have the ability to do. Because even in a small setting, you can make your preps actually work for you. Mm-hmm. If you like to knit, knit stuff and sell it. If you like, if you do have chickens, backyard chickens, I know where I live, inside the city limit, they have an ordinance that says you can have four laying hens, but you can't have a rooster. I guess that's an obnoxious thing for people to wake up to in the mornings in the city. <laughs> it can be, yeah. Yes, but mm-hmm. you can sell your eggs. Sure. You know, once you get what you need, whatever you have left over, you can sell or you can give away. If you milk goats and you like goat milk, where we live, there are some laws pertaining to that. We can sell you goats for your cats and your dog. <laughs> <laughs> Raw milk. Mm-hmm. But you can make soap. You can make all kinds of things. You can make jellies. 
you can go to the farmer's market and sell stuff. Yeah. So just don't be afraid to, to just start. Well, that's an interesting concept, too, because you could actually have, like, what you're saying is you can develop a side hustle or a marketable hobby that actually can put, you know, cash positive in cash into your pocket. So, you know, that's, that's a great, that's a great tip. I think a lot of people don't realize, well, you know, a little extra money is nice to have, but what are you going to do with it? You just reinvest back into your preps and then just keep building and keep building. And, Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think the threat and risk assessment, that is probably the very best advice that I have heard. I know that we have led with that very same kind of thing. So my risk assessment is going to be different from somebody in, say, Ontario or Truth. Rio de Janeiro. These are different regions of the world and the, mm-hmm. the our storms and our weather and our climate and our cultures can be very mm-hmm. diverse. And so just, I can't worry about what's happening in Brazil. I just need to worry about what's going on in North Alabama because that's, that's and, where I am. And even, even if, if it's where you're considering like a job where you travel, like a traveling nurse mm-hmm. or a lawyer that travels around a lot, you can still have your bag. I, I think that it's prudent, even with homesteaders, you, there's always going to be a possibility of a time when you're going to have to leave. I know where my sister lives, she's already told me, hey, if something happens, we're coming to the farm. And I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> you may not be there. <laughs> I might not be there. but They yeah. may be running the farm themselves. <laughs> That's right. So, you know, keep your bags. Keep a bug out bag. Mm-hmm. Keep a bug. Keep a get home bag in mm-hmm. your car. Sometimes I travel to another city, and sometimes I have to travel during hazardous weather. So I have a bag in my car that has all the emergency stuff that I need. It's got a blanket. It's got some hard-soled shoes. It's got a hat. It's got a flashlight. It's got everything I need Mm -hmm. and some snacks and some water. But But I've also got those things that I carry every day, too. So when I come into town to work, I have a bag that has my EDC stuff in it. Mm Mm-hmm. For instance, today, Doc said, hey, do you have a screwdriver? (laughs) Just a random question out of nowhere. You know who has a screwdriver? Preppers. That's right. (laughs) Did you raise raise your hand? Yesterday, he said, is that your pocket knife or is that your daddy's pocket knife? He kind of laughed and I said, that is my pocket knife. Thank you very much. There you go. There you go. Strike a blow for the ladies. That's right. There you you know, we shouldn't be told that we that we're weaker. I think women have strength. Men don't know anything about uh, usually. That's, that's true. Why, that's why God let bless, us have the babies. Bless their hearts. <laughs> bless their hearts. <laughs> well, Rhonda, I want you to know that it has been a delightful experience interviewing you and getting to know you even a little bit better tonight. And sharing with us from such a great viewpoint what it's like to reach out and perhaps form a group. And we hope maybe this will inspire some listeners in other areas to think, you know, I could do a small group at my church or organization or community. Uh, I know a lot of places have like a clubhouse in the neighborhood where they could meet. So, you know, it's just a matter of just doing it, you know, 
get th- float that idea out there and get some response and then gather up a trusted community of interesting people that are have preparedness as their main common denominator and then from there they can develop new connections and who knows what it might lead to could very well be the the way that we're supposed to do it here on earth is we're here for others you know and that and others are here for us. So That's right. We were yeah. created for relationship. Absolutely. We are a relationship type of being. I totally understand that. I agree with that. And I think even in the prepper community, I think preppers are probably some of the most generous and most heartfelt, genuine people. And I've met many, many, many kinds of preppers over the few years that we've been doing this. And these are the, you know, shirt off their back kind of people. And many times they'll show up before you call because they're just aware, you know, that you're you're in need. Absolutely. Hope your prepper friends over there are taking good care of you and the farm and helping you out when you need it as well. And don't ever be afraid to ask. Absolutely. And thank you. Thank you for inviting me on the show. Well, you just keep on leading that small group, and let's add some more people to it. And I promise you that when we're back in town sometime, Mark and I will pop in and visit with some of our good friends over there in the homesteading group. Again, Rhonda, thank you so much. And we really hope that our listeners enjoyed our interview tonight. And just realize that practical prepping is for everyday people. And that's exactly what Rhonda is. That's what we are. That's our whole aim is that we're just relationship-type people We want to be prepared. We need to know what our risks are, and we need to just be smart about it. We don't want to panic, and we don't want to be scared. We want to be prepared. So, we'll see you next time. You can reach us on Facebook at Practical Prepping. You can email us at info at practicalprepping.info. And our website is practicalprepping.info. And remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.